Sometimes we think we know how to express our love and appreciation to other people. But oftentimes, people are completely wrong. So, how can we make sure that our love is actually expressed in a way that can make the relationship better? Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. Do you know how to speak the language of love? Haha. <laughs> That's a trick question. In today's episode, I want to introduce the five love languages. So let me start with a story and then I'll share more about what exactly the five love languages are. By the way, if you want to read the text version of this entire episode, you can click on the link in the show notes or just visit. The blog at bridgebeyondenglish.com. So let's start with the story. Jason and Darnell seemed like a very happy couple. Darnell always returned from his weekly business trips with thoughtful, unique gifts and souvenirs for Jason. On special occasions like his birthday, Their wedding anniversary or Christmas, Darnell would buy extra expensive gifts to show his love to him. In a similar way, Jason showed his love to Darnell by planning special activities where they could spend a lot of time just enjoying being together at restaurants or different events. He tried to spend as much time with him. As he possibly could. What a happy couple, right? Wrong. Actually, despite their good intentions, neither of them felt super close or loved by the other. But how could this be? In reality, Jason wanted more quality time and connection, especially because Darnell. Was gone a lot on business trips. And actually, Jason felt like Darnell was trying to buy his love with gifts, and in the process, wasting money instead of truly showing love. Darnell felt tired after his trips. He thought Jason loved the gifts because he always seemed so appreciative of them. What Darnell often really wanted was rest and to be appreciated for his hard work. So, what was the problem? They were assuming that they knew what the other person wanted. Darnell wrongly thought that gifts made Jason feel loved, and Jason projected his own. Desire for quality time onto Darnell. 
Okay, so let's take a look at the five love languages. In 1992, Dr. Gary Chapman realized this type of pattern as he counseled married couples. He saw that different people had different ways of receiving and expressing love and that it often didn't match with their partner. These observations morphed into five categories. Words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. Just one note before we continue talking about love is that the word love is a broad term that has many meanings depending on the relationship. But ultimately, it means some sort of positive connection. Chapman's hope was to help people identify their partner's most preferred way or ways of receiving love. If each partner could understand the other partner's top one or two preferred languages of love and actually express that love language, marriages would be healthier and happier. The five love languages were originally used for couples, but the concept can be applied to any relationship. First, let's take a look at what the five love languages actually are, and then we can reflect on how they may or may not be relevant to various relationships and cultures. First, we have words of affirmation. Someone who prefers words of affirmation doesn't necessarily only want to receive praise and compliments every day, all the time. That would feel awkward and inauthentic. What they need from their partner is to feel an authentic appreciation for who they are. They may sometimes need a boost in confidence, but oftentimes they just want to know that their efforts or accomplishments are valued and appreciated. Next we have quality time. If your love language is spending quality time with your partner, it doesn't mean you want to obsessively spend every waking moment with them or that you don't appreciate words of affirmation. Quality time together could be focused on deeper conversation for some people, or it could just mean that they spend time doing an activity together without talking much. This person can sense a connection with their partner most strongly by knowing that the other person is present and connected in a shared space. Next we have physical touch. Physical touch is not referring to sex. Nearly everyone has a sexual drive with their partner, or so we hope. People who prefer physical touch desire extra touch, like holding hands, 
snuggling while watching TV, or receiving frequent hugs or kisses throughout the day. Touch, for these people, is simply the most tangible symbol of close connection and acceptance. And next we have acts of service. Those who appreciate acts of service aren't lazy or expecting their partner to serve them all the time. However, when their partner serves them, they feel cared for and loved. This can be everyday household chores or a special gesture, like if the partner cooks a beautiful meal on the weekend. And the fifth love language is receiving gifts. People who love receiving gifts may seem a bit greedy, but like the other love languages, it's the thought behind the gift that is so important. The gift is a physical representation of love that communicates care and the giving of one's heart. It may not even have to be anything expensive. Even a small gift that is thoughtful and fitting to who that person is communicates love. Okay, so now that we've looked at what the five love languages are, let's look at love languages across different relationships and cultures. It gets a little bit tricky. So the love languages started with couples, but it can be applied to any relationship. If you want to understand your child, friend, parent, coworker, client, or boss, wouldn't it be helpful to understand the psychology of what they really need from you in your specific relationship? Perhaps so. However, culture and context matter a great deal. Family members are different from friends. A close coworker is different from a client. And your boss? Well, that also certainly depends. Let's finish by reflecting briefly on Japanese culture. The love language framework was developed in American culture, so it obviously is biased. For example, physical touch is generally much less common in Japan than in the US. But what about words of affirmation? Well, perhaps Japanese embrace words of affirmation in a more nuanced sense that is very indirect. It also might completely depend on the hierarchical relationship, so the power dynamic. Maybe it's focused less on the direct praise of an individual and focused more on politely appreciating or acknowledging the effort, sacrifice, or hospitality that one has experienced. Giving gifts, 
acts of service and quality time, on the other hand, seem to play a big role in Japanese culture. This can be seen with the gift exchange expectations and in the emphasis on team effort. And then again, it also depends a lot on whether the relationship is with a romantic partner, in a larger family context, among friends, coworkers, or other business settings. The five love languages framework is limited, but the concept boils down to this. If we want a relationship to be positive, we need empathy in order to recognize how the other person wants to receive love, which may be very different to how we feel loved and appreciated. Regarding intimacy in our romantic relationships, it will be important to express to our partner what our own love language is so that they can know how to show love to us. Also, it will be vitally important to understand our partner's love language so that we can also love them well. Finally, if we want to expand this simple framework to the complexity of all our relationships in various contexts and cultures, we have the enormous challenge of figuring out the appropriate gesture within each environment, family, friends, workplace, and cross-cultural settings. Once we've understood the dynamics of a specific relationship in a particular context, we can freely adjust the framework however we see fit. But this won't be an easy task. Regarding how this framework works in Japanese culture, I have maybe more questions than answers, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm looking forward to asking my students about what they think as we use this framework and look at how it does or doesn't fit into Japanese culture and various types of relationships. So each culture might react differently and pick and choose different parts of this framework. Um, so that's okay. Every culture is different. So since this is such a tricky and complex topic, just start with yourself and start close to home. So let me leave you with two questions. What is your love language? How will you discover the love languages of the most important people in your life? Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
If you want to help us spread this podcast to more people, you can write a review or leave a rating. And finally, if you are interested in using English to expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross-cultural communication skills, you can join a free trial class right here in Yokohama, Motomachi, or online. If that is something that interests you, you can click the link in the show notes or just visit us at bridgebeyondenglish.com. I'm your host, David Nagai. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.